0: Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. 1 Kings, chapter 18. When the fire of God falls, the fire of God falls, I'd like to thank all of you as we start uh, who have given financially or with food to our Hearts for Hunger ministry, especially to all those who came out yesterday uh, to give out food in the rain. I would like to personally commend those of you who have never done so. I'd like for you to pat Miss Judy Dill on the back next time you see her because that young lady tramps her way through through the community where we were giving out food in the pouring rain knocking on doors to tell people that we were there to give out food. And I just got such a blessing. Well, I don't think she did it for any recognition. If she were out here instead of serving the Lord uh, in the back, most likely uh, she would probably turn about beat red right now for me saying that. But uh, is she out here? Did I miss her? <laughs> I told y'all she'd turn beat red. She know what I was saying that. Miss Judy, you have no idea how much it blessed my heart to see you take my two boys and take them to knock on doors, though I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Again, we were able to give out 35 boxes of food. Uh, they were received by folks who, who needed uh, food physically, who got to have conversations spiritually, and, uh, and this is an ongoing ministry of our church. I know some of you have heard me say it before, but uh, yesterday was a great day, but August is coming. And so we need to continue to be in support of this Hearts for Hunger ministry. God has tremendously blessed what started as an idea and he has turned it into a ministry. And I praise God for it. But we need to to support that and continue to support it both with our money, with our time, with our food. If you haven't been a part of it, I challenge you to come out uh, at the next giveaway and take part in it. I can promise you, without a shadow of a doubt, you will not be disappointed for coming out and taking part in this ministry. But this morning... In 1 Kings chapter 18, we get an opportunity to take a closer look at one of the most amazing manifestations of the power of God that is found in all of the Bible, in my opinion. In the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, we're talking about the life of Elijah the prophet. We're specifically talking about the events that took place in the life of Elijah the prophet on the Mount Carmel as the prophets of Baal and the prophet of God stood calling upon the power of their God, and this amazing story is one where we're going to see God's power on display in an extremely mighty way. So please stand as we honor the reading of the holy, infallible, inerrant words of our God from the book of First Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 38. "Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. And then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. He bowed down to the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to his servants, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked, there is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. It came to pass on the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot. Go down before the rain stops you. Let us pray. Father God... We ask that you would do in this place what only you can, and that is dwell among your people, Lord God. We pray that the fire of God would have already fallen upon us before we got here, Lord God. We pray that we would block anything and any spirit from our lives that hinders us from full worship of you, God, that you would just escort those feelings and those spirits right out the door of this church that they came in, Lord God. Let us be about nothing but you, Jesus, in the remaining time that we have, and all of God's people said, Amen. and you may be seated. As, as we look at this text, I, I'm reminded of our tremendous revival services that we experienced just over a month ago. I, I'm reminded of them because I believe that we felt what I believe was, was nothing less than the Holy Ghost fire of God in our lives during that week. We've experienced some of those moments in our lives from time to time. We've experienced some in in the weeks following our wonderful revival services. As souls have been saved and and we've seen people baptized and, and given their lives and people have rededicated their lives and turned their lives back to God but sometimes we find ourselves just kind of looking around don't we in our in our lives in our churches and, and in our Sunday school classes and where we're and we're kind of looking around each time we and it's almost like we're looking to say is the holy spirit here did the fire of god fall today did this happen my friends this morning uh, i want to i want to submit this to you at the end of this service this morning if we have to ask Did the fire of God fall? The answer will likely be no. Because when the fire of God descends upon a place, there's going to be some evidence left in its wake. It's kind of like when a puppy dog walks up and runs through wet concrete. They're going to leave just a little bit of evidence that they've been there. And so first thing that I believe that we're going to notice when the fire of God falls is that there'll be a divine transformation There'll be a divine transformation. Look at verse 38 with me. It says, Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and stones and dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. We see here that the fire of the Lord fell, and it not only consumed the oxen that had been given as sacrifice, the fire of the Lord fell, and it not only consumed the wood that was placed there to burn the sacrifice. But we see that the fire of the Lord fell, and when it did, it consumed the stones that surrounded the sacrifice. It consumed the dust on which the wood was laid to have the sacrifice laid upon. The trench that Elijah had told the people to dig around the sacrifice to fill up with water was laid dry. Folks, what I'm here to tell you is that when the fire of God fell on Mount Carmel, not only was the sacrifice burnt and the wood burnt, the stone was burnt, the dust was burnt, the water was dried up, and I don't know about you, but where I come from, if you've got a pile of rocks with wood and an ox surrounded by water and the fire falls and suddenly you've got nothing but ash and dry land, that's a divine transformation that is taking place right there on Mount Carmel. Now, a few times in the Bible, we see the fire of God fall, and it's in divine anger. Genesis chapter 19 the fire of God fell on Sodom and Gomorrah in the form of fire and brimstone. In Exodus 9 and 19, God sent fire as an expression of his wrath to the Israelites during the Exodus. In Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu give what is a strange fire to God as offering, and rather than receive their offering, God sent them down. And turned them into burnt corn dogs right there. Some of you catch on later. What I'm saying here is generally speaking, when the fire of God falls in anger, you don't want to be anywhere around. But there's sometimes, my friends, there's sometimes that when the fire of God falls, that's right where you want to be. Leviticus 9 and 24 says that a fire came before the Lord, consumed all the offering before them, and all of the people responded In praise to him. Right here in 1 Kings where we're going to be studying this morning. The same thing happened. The fire of the Lord fell and all the people returned that with praise. On that day of Pentecost, those saints there on the day of Pentecost says that they received the fire of the Lord in the form of cloven tongues of fire. And they began to speak a language and share the gospel and people began to get saved and transformed. And the fire of the Lord fell upon them and caused this. It was not the eloquent tongue of those who were speaking. It was the fire of God that had infected them, causing them to speak. And people became saved left and right everywhere they went. When the fire of God falls, what I'm trying to tell you is that things change. Things change. Things don't remain the same when the fire of God falls. They cannot remain the same when the fire of God falls. What does fire in its very essence do? Well, it changes things. It warms the very cold hearts. It illuminates the dark spirit. It it, it purifies. It refines. It changes when there's a divine transformation. John MacArthur, Dr. John MacArthur, he tells a very good story about this topic. He says that there was a man that invited him to lunch who had been attending his church for some time. And when they get there, the man says, I not only wanted to invite you to lunch to fellowship with you, Dr. MacArthur, but I invited you to lunch because I wanted to tell you something that happened to me just the other day. And he says, Dr. MacArthur, I was in my bathroom. I had just lathered up my shave gel, and I was going to shave. I got about half done, and Jesus walked into my bathroom. Dr. MacArthur looked at him the way most of you are looking at me right now, somewhat skeptical. And the man says, you look as if you don't believe me, doctor. And he said, well, I have but one question. And he, and he coins a very wise question to the man. He says, what did you do when Jesus walked into your bathroom? And the man began what was going to be, obviously, a very lengthy response. But he started it with, well, really quick, I, I finished shaving. And Dr. MacArthur cut him off. He said, hang on, never mind. You didn't see Jesus. Because... If you had seen Jesus, there's no way you'd have kept doing what you was doing before you saw him. There's no way that you'd have just kept on doing exactly what you was doing before he walked in the door. Because when he walked in, you would have flat changed what you were doing. You see, what I'm saying is when the fire of God falls. Backslidden church members come back to church. Amen. When the Hang on, if you're not backslidden, don't say amen too loud. When the fire of God falls. Church members can't come with the same attitude they used to come with. Amen? When the fire of God falls in your life, you just can't keep acting like you did before. Lazy husbands can't keep neglecting their wives when the fire of God falls in their lives. Amen, ladies? There you go. You can say amen, too. Man, I got one for you, too. Nagging wives just can't keep acting the way they used to when the fire of God falls. I'm helping somebody this morning. I tried. You messed that one up. (laughs) Hang on. Now, you can't lay out a church the way you did before when the fire of God falls. You can't wait to get there to worship Jesus. Hang on. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. You can't rob God of his tithe when the fire of God falls in your life anymore the way you did before. Couples on the brink of getting in their car and heading to divorce court, find their way of making reconciliation at the altar of God when the fire of God falls. Wayward, disrespectful children come home to mom and daddy when the fire of God falls. The relationships that you thought were past the point of repair transform into your testimony when the power of God falls. Amen. Sometimes that forgiveness you thought wasn't there. That relationship you thought couldn't be repaired. Sometime after the fire of God falls you're telling that story to someone else and you say we used to have problems with that guy that sits on the other side of sanctuary but one day the fire of God fell in this place and we embraced right there at the altar and I said I don't remember what you did to me but I've been mad at you for years but I've give you and you tell that story and it is your testimony of reconciliation and you thought it was beyond repair my friend it was beyond your repair it was beyond their repair but it was not beyond the repair of what happens when the fire of God falls in this place first we will see a divine transformation things just simply can't stay the same second we'll see a dynamic adoration a dynamic adoration look at verse 39 with me and now when the people saw it, saw the fire of the Lord fall and consume the offering. When the people saw it, oh, they fell on their faces. They said, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Uh, let me just tell you something. Right there in verse 39, when it says, the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said. That phrase literally means they shouted. If we were to translate that most accurately it wouldn't be they said it the way I may have talked to you before the service. It would mean something more like they shouted it the way the way Miss Terry sang that song I bless your name. They shouted it. They wanted everybody to hear the Lord is God. He's just birthed the offering. The Lord is God. He's in this place. The Lord he is God. Let's lift up his name. The Lord he is God. I hope they hear me outside. I hope Brother Eric walking by on patrol says what's going on in that place. They've decided the Lord's God to hope place is erupted in shouts of praise and that's what's going on there because when the fire of god falls you can't help but respond in a dynamic adoration that's how i know these people in first kings they weren't the old southern baptists because they'd have never shouted if they'd have been good old-fashioned southern Baptists, would they you can see by the worship they realize the presence of god now hang on you know where i'm going You know where I'm going and some of you have already conditioned your response to what I'm about to say. But just stay with me just a minute. It's the word of God, not me. I realize that some of you don't express your worship the same way that I do. You don't have as much expression in the way you worship. That's okay. I realize that some of you express more vibrantly when you worship than I do. That's okay. We don't always express everything the same way. I'm not talking about how vibrant you get. I'm not talking about even the way that you stand up and shout or run around or whatever it is you do when the fire of God falls on your life. But what I am going to tell you is this, is that when the fire of God falls in your life, you're not going to look like a statue carved into the side of a stone. When the fire of God falls on you, you're not going to be able to stand there and look like this. That look right there, that ain't a fire of God look. That's a I'm part of the frozen chosen. <laughs> I know Jesus, but I don't want nobody else to know I know him. <laughs> now, you can't do that when the fire of God falls. You see, when, when the fire of God falls on your life and the choir is singing a song about Jesus, you just can't help but do a little something. Now, maybe you can't sing on key. Danny Allen, don't start singing loud, but just keep moving your mouth a little bit. All right. When the fire of God falls, you're going to move just a little bit. You're going to feel a little something in your soul, and you ain't going to be able to hold it in no more. It's going to come out a little bit. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can always tell how the Spirit's moving by by looking at whether people are dancing or, or shouting. Because sometimes the Spirit of God moves, and it moves you to a solemn place on your knees. But what I am going to tell you is this. When the fire of God falls on your life, it won't take half a case of Red Bull to get you to stay awake during the sermon. Huh? It won't take a, a shot of something to get you to stand up and sing. When the fire of God falls on your life, you're going to want to adore the one who sent that power to you. You're going to want to shout his praises and lift his name above all other names because you just can't hold it in no more. Now, I'm not talking about false fire. I want to be clear. I didn't come here to try to get everybody to stand up and do something the Spirit didn't move them to do. Don't you call attention to yourself. But what I am telling you is that as Baptists, sometimes we're so afraid. We're so afraid that if we give ourselves fully to God and allow Him to run free in our lives and allow the Spirit to flow through us... Well, we're we're afraid that that he's going to have us do something that'll make a fool out of our dignified selves. What's everybody going to think if I let myself... I I felt like shouting. I felt like raising my hand. But I thought if I do that, they're going to think I'm crazy. They'll think I'm Pentecostal or something if I go doing that. They'll think something's wrong with me if I do that. Can I just tell you this? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. As a child of God... I can think of nothing more awe-inspiring. I can think of nothing more awesome. I can think of nothing that brings me greater pleasure than sitting in the house of God with someone who has said, I'm going to worship the king of kings with all I have. I don't care what you look like when you're worshiping, as long as you're worshiping. I can't help but want to get a part of that. When somebody's worshiping in the house of the Lord, have you ever noticed that when someone is worshiping in the house of God that other people start to look and go, I might get me some of that. I might, I might want to have me a little touch of that that Holy Ghost fire he's got going on right there. But, but have you ever noticed when everybody looks down, looks defeated, looks quiet, looks like they ain't, they ain't never had no joy in their lives, it starts to be infectious that way too, doesn't it? Starts to go, oh, he's had a rough life. Me too. Let's give God our dynamic adoration. I don't know about you guys, but I think that think that He's worthy of my dynamic adoration. I think with what he's done in my life, he's worthy of my praise. He's worthy of my holy hands. Now, some of you are going to say this. I already know. I've been in church my whole life. I already know what some of you are fixing to say. Well, brother, I just don't want to be driven by emotion. I don't want to be so driven by emotion that I let it take control of me. Can I tell you something that that you may not realize? You already are driven by emotion. Ah, oh, wait a minute, you already are driven by, no, brother, I don't want to be driven by emotion. You already are, too late. Can I just tell you, you've been driven by the emotion that you're too tired to put a smile on your face. That's an emotional response. You've been driven by the emotion that you don't have enough time to give to God. You've been given, given the emotion that you're too afraid, the emotion of fear that says, I can't give it all to God because I'm afraid of what he might do if I ever give it all to him. I'm afraid that if I give it all to God, he's going to require something of me that I'm not ready to give up. I'm afraid that if I give it all to God, he's going to call me away from something that I wanted to be a part of. I'm afraid to give it all to God. You're driven by emotions. But can I just say one emotion that we need to let loose and let happen in the house of God together? It's the emotion that the one who made me commanded me to shout unto victory that's an emotion that we can go ahead and let go of uh, can, can we just come into the house and say wait a minute we'll walk through the door and say i am in the house of the king of kings i am in the sanctuary And I'm going to raise my holy hands. And I'm going to shout praise the Lord. And I'm going to get moving just a little bit. Because if no other reason the word of God told me to lift my holy hands to him. The word of God told me to lift my praise unto him. I am going to give him my adoration with all I have. And I'm just going to let loose and praise him. And that's something my friends that only happens when the fire of God falls. Because if you go trying to do something like that before the fire of God falls, you will make a fool out of yourself. But there is nothing more precious than when the people of God praise the one who made them in unison. So first, there's a divine transformation. Things won't be the same. Second, there's a dynamic adoration. You'll start to see it in the worship service. Now those of you keeping up, normally I preach a three-point sermon This morning it'll be four. That doesn't mean we're going to be here an extra 15 minutes. That just means we're going to be here 10 minutes extra. So divine transformation, things won't stay the same. Dynamic adoration, you'll see it in your worship. And third, there'll be a distinct separation. Look at verse 40 with me. Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon... And executed them there. Essentially, Elijah's leading this worship service. He's preaching here at this dynamic worship service where the fire of God has fallen and the people started returning praise to God. And he says, Wait a minute, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. It's not just about praising God, there's something else that we have to do. And so they gather up the prophets of Baal, false prophets. Can I remind you that just a few moments ago these false prophets of Baal were pretty close friends with the Israelites. These false prophets that were leading them astray were pretty tight with them. They were, they were pretty close. As a matter of fact, Elijah <coughs> had said to them, How long are you going to tarry between God and these heathens basically? I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. I'm going to speak a little southernese. He said, how long are you going to tarry between these two folks? you got one, 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 foot in the, one foot in the world, one foot in the church. How long are you going to stay there, people? They were close enough that they were tarrying with the prophets of Baal. <clears throat> but when they got right with God, they realized there was some separation that had to take place. They had to have a a, a quick separation from these things that had separated them from God. These things that had kept them from worshiping God. Uh, You see, they they got right with God and said, Suddenly, these relationships that I kept before are not going to enable me to worship this God who has caused the fire to fall in my life. I have got to have a break from those relationships. we, We have to cut this off. They knew immediately what they had to have changed. You notice they didn't have a philosophical meeting where they had a thought about the idea of how to go about a separation. When the fire of God fell, it illuminated some things in their lives, and they said, that's got to go. That right there is going to keep me from worshiping God. It's got to go. And they take the prophets of Baal, and they slay them down at the brook he Now, that sounds violent. And it is if you're a prophet of Baal, I suppose. But it is a separation that had to occur for them. You see, many of us, when I said that, you thought of something in your life or something probably in someone else's life that you knew they needed to separate from. You see, when I talk about God showing up and and, and say that that we have to change when God shows up, well, many of you are okay with the idea of separation In general terms, you're willing to admit, yeah, I agree, preacher, we have to separate ourselves from the things that hold us back. Nice thought, preacher, you're not that smart to have got that out of the Bible. But if I started to say something specific, instead of just saying you got to change your life a little bit, or you have to change your uh, relationships a little bit, you have to leave things behind that you thought you couldn't leave behind. You've got to to separate something from your life that's holding you back. If I say it in the general, you're okay, but if I start to say, you've got to leave this person behind. If I said, you got to leave your phone behind for a little while and get right with God. If I said, you've got to leave this or that, but I started to get specific. Now, that's when feathers start to ruffle a little bit, don't it? Because we don't tend to think of the things in our lives as the things that are separating us from God. We're okay with the fact that you're separated from God with your sin. But I don't really like to think about what mine does. Can I just tell you a little story to illustrate this? It's been said of the great Welsh revival that took place in history. One of the greatest revivals in any region in the world. And the story is told that so many people got right with God when that revival came through. So many people got right with God that they had to lay the police officers off. You know why they had to lay them off? Because people weren't committing crimes anymore. There just wasn't enough crime to keep all the police on staff that had been there before. Now keep in mind before the revival it was an awful place. Harlots and prostitutes, they had to find new lines of work because there weren't enough men taking part in what they had to sell anymore. It's been reported that the mules in the coal mines had to be retrained because the workers were not using the same profane language that they used before to command the mules, and they didn't know how to respond. I'm saying when the fire of God falls, you're going to have to separate yourselves from some things that you hold near to your heart. You're going to have to leave behind some things that you love. Now, I doubt very seriously that anybody here has a problem with robbing banks. I don't know. If you do, you're not tithing very well. I doubt anybody here has a problem with going out and hiring prostitutes. I doubt that anyone here needs to kick the habit of cussing your mule out. But when the fire of God falls, there are some people here that will need to clean out the browser on their computer. Oh, wait a minute, Brother Jason. You're getting specific. When the fire of God falls, there are some people here that will need to delete some apps on your telephone. Oh, wait a minute. I don't want to hear about that, Brother Jason. Some of you are going to delete some contacts from your list because you know those people don't take you down the road that you need to go on. Hang on. Some people here are going to have to rework their calendar. And give God back some of the time that he deserves. When the fire of God falls, there's going to be a distinct difference in the people of God. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe you're more holy than I've ever been, but there are things in my life when I went through this scripture. That I realized I had to take down to the brook Kishon and let God slay them for me. I had to leave them behind to separate myself from those things. Because when the fire of God falls, there'll be a divine transformation. Things will change. There'll be a dynamic adoration. You'll see it in your worship. There'll be a distinct separation. You'll be called to leave some things behind. But finally, there's going to be a discerning observation. Look what Elijah says to Ahab he says, Go on up, eat and drink. Rain's coming. He essentially says to Ahab, when he says go up and eat and drink, he's saying go up and get yourself ready to go. Go up and and fill your belly and get yourself ready for the road. Go up, prepare yourself, rain is coming. And he sends out his servant. He says, hey man, go out and look out over the horizon. and Tell me what you see, tell me if you see rain coming. And the servant comes back and he says, no. He says, go look again. He comes back and he says, no, 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 nothing. Go look again. Seven times. But on that seventh time, his servant comes back and he says, there's, there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Uh, there's a little cloud out in the horizon, Elijah. And Elijah says, hey, go tell Ahab, quit eating and drinking, get his chariot ready or it's going to get stuck in the mud. His, his chariot's going to get stuck in the mud if he don't go on and get going. He said, well, what's so divine about that, preacher? What's such an amazing deal about that? Elijah said "It's going to rain, a cloud come up. Bob Mueller said that the other day, and a cloud come up. You didn't say he was very discerning. Can I just remind you that when Elijah says to Ahab, get your chariot ready, the rain's coming, it hadn't rained in years. we well, had been so long since they seen rain, they forgot what he was talking about. It hadn't rained in forever. And suddenly this guy sees rain. Can I just tell you that even though it ain't rained in I don't know how long, Elijah said it was going to rain and by the evening they had a storm. He he was able to see things once the fire of God fell in his life just a little differently maybe than he saw them before. He saw the rains of judgment coming to that area. He said, boys, we got to get ready. It's about time to go. The rain's coming. When the fire of God falls in your life, You'll start to recognize things that you might not have noticed before. You'll start to see that you've got a wrong attitude in a situation. You'll start to see that you've had the wrong approach in a specific relationship. You'll start to see that you've had the wrong thought process about things. I was talking to somebody the other night, and it reminded me of something that I had thought of before. You know that that when I got saved... I was convicted of things like cheating or or lying. I I was convicted of things like uh, telling untruths. I was convicted of things, you know, big things. I I was convicted of, of road rage. I was convicted of all these things in my life. But you know that the longer I've lived with the Lord and the closer that I've gotten to the Lord, my conviction has changed a little bit where now I find myself convicted about the attitude that I had when you were telling me a problem that you had. I find myself going home at night and saying, You know, I received that phone call, but I didn't genuinely receive that phone call. I find myself convicted of a whole different set of things, and that's what happens when the fire of God falls in your life. You'll start to recognize these little nooks and crannies that you didn't realize were sin. Well, they're sin just the same as if you dropped a bank. A revival preacher once said to me, you know how to know if God's moving in your life? Ask yourself this question. How much sin does it take to bother you anymore? How much you got to do before you feel the conviction of God in your life anymore? I want to close this morning with a question. What is it in your life that stops you from experiencing the Holy Ghost fire of God in your life? What is it in your life that you need to bring to this altar, unpack, and leave it behind so that you can feel the fire of God once again? What is it that God called you to during revival that you picked back up and put back on? What commitment did God call you to that you haven't gone through with? Friends, if you want to experience the fire of God in your life, you got to be changed. you got to leave it behind. And now I'm fully aware that you can do that in the parking lot. You can do that in your pew. But I still say there's something sweet about leaving it at this altar. There's something committing about coming down and leaving it at this altar. So in a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. I'm going to ask you to do that. Whatever it is, that God impressed upon you during this message, you come and leave it at his feet, because I don't know about you, but I want to feel the fire of God in my life all the time. And if there's something that's stopping me from that, I don't want to hold on to it worse than I want to hold on to God. And I got one more question. There's somebody here who said, I don't even know what this man's talking about. I've never experienced the fire of God. I've never experienced the power of God. Somebody here needs to come down and just say that. Preacher, I've never felt the power of God, but I want to. I want to give my life to him. Would you come this morning and give your life to Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, God, we thank you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. God, we thank you that there is still power. Be found in you. God, we thank you that when we are weak, you are strong. We thank you that if we will separate ourselves and consecrate ourselves, Lord God, you will still work in our lives, Lord. So, God, I pray that you would give that saint who's convicted of something in their lives, the courage to come and lay it at your feet, Lord. God, I pray that you give that one person who's never accepted you as Lord and Savior the courage to stand and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to feel the power of God. God, it's in your precious name we pray this morning. Amen.